the Spirit of Jazz podcast, where music dances with mystery, with your hosts, Bill Carter and Jeff Kellum. Welcome to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is Bill Carter. And I am allegedly Jeff Kellum. Uh, you sure look like him and sound like him. Yeah, it's it's a good thing, though, Bill, that we're not doing this uh, as a video or vlog. Um, you know, I, I don't have my makeup on. Um, I yeah, don't have my hair on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like Garrison Keillor once said when he had a radio show, he's the best looking guy on radio. <laughs> well, I understand that completely. Yeah. So, uh, faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is actually going to be uh, our next to last episode for season one. Penultimate. The penultimate. Yes, I think that's the word. I got this idea that I'm going to run off Jeff today. It comes from the last studio album by jazz pianist Horace Silver, which is titled Jazz Has a Sense of Humor. That's Horace Silver. Horace Silver, yep, recorded in 1998. He was a, just a joyful man by all accounts. Uh, his music had an effervescent beat, and sometimes the he would put lyrics on that were kind of funny. And on this album, he even has one tune titled, I Love Annie's Fanny. <laughs> Crazy. And the last tune on the album is, uh, Where Do I Go From Here? And that's the last tune on his last album. Last tune on the last album. Wow. So I've got a couple of clips that I think we'll use, but to kind of set the groove, uh, let's give Ron Vincent a quick call. I heard him tell a story I think is worth hearing again. Good morning. Hey, Ron Vincent. Uh, How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's up? I've got uh, Jeff Kellum on the line here, and we're working today on the next episode for the Spirit of Jazz podcast. And this one is about humor. You were somewhere in the far west playing with Bill Mays, and you were accompanied on stage. Yes, I was. Um, we were in Ashland, Oregon at Grizzly Peak Winery. They have a jazz policy there. They do maybe about uh, 10 jazz concerts a year. Uh, it's a, somewhat of a nonprofit jazz society out there. And we were on stage and Bill had written a piece uh, that called for like a soft shoe thing. And we came up with the bright idea of maybe getting some wood blocks. And so I went to a numerous Home Depots while we were on, on tour to find the right grit of sandpaper. <laughs> and uh, finally got some blocks and glued, got my super glue out and glued the sandpaper to the blocks. And uh, so that night we're there and Bill says, let's, let's do the, let's do the sand, the soft shoe. So he introduces it and I start out with a little solo and then we play the tune while I'm still on wood blocks, sandpaper wood blocks, kind of a soft shoe tap type situation I'm creating. Uh -huh. And then it comes time for my big solo for two choruses. And I'm in the middle of the first chorus and I hear something that sounds like a duck over on my left hand side. And I'm trying to ignore it when I'm playing all by myself and I'm looking up and I'm kind of seeing people laughing a little bit, looking off in the corner and the, the, the duck sound is getting louder and louder and I can't figure out what it is. And I'm into my second chorus and now people are actually laughing and we don't know what it is. And, and I yell out at the top of my lungs, everybody's a critic. 
And so I finished my solo and, and we finished the tune and these people start laughing and they go, it was a bullfrog. You, your sandpaper attracted a bullfrog. I think it must be mating season. So, so that was the story. And it, we've, we've got a little mileage out of that over the last couple of weeks since we've been home. So was at the time it was annoying and then it became extremely funny <laughs> well uh th this is one of the reasons why i love having you in the band it's it's more than the music it's uh the personality uh, <laughs> you you just attract good humor i guess huh <laughs> yeah do you have any good musician jokes you can share with a wide audience i don't know that's a toughie what do you call a jazz drummer without a girlfriend uh i think i know but you better tell us Homeless. Okay. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. All right, man. Well, thank Good you. Talk to you guys. You know, Jeff, not everybody could play a duet with a bullfrog. <laughs> not everyone wants to. I'm not sure Ron wanted to at first, but he's, yeah. uh, I think that story will live on. He'll be telling that for a long time to come. Oh, I think so. You know, maybe it's the fact that jazz musicians travel or they find themselves, uh, at least on the margins of the entertainment business, they see some funny things or funny things happen to them. I remember the uh, the great bass player, Steve Gilmore, was telling me he got called to play in Atlantic City. And uh, so he's playing on Atlantic City main stage, backing up a person who will be unnamed, a female singer who had a song that made fun of him playing the bass. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she thought it was funny, but, you know. Right. Um, I suppose if, you know, she had pain, she had to work out some way, I guess. Yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, they they say, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure. Yeah. In this yeah. case, one person's treasure is another person's trash. Yeah, so, so there is that. There's You know, humor is often used to put people down. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I think that one of the best kinds of humor is just noticing these kind of inconsistencies and calling attention to them. And sometimes it comes from unusual places. I remember hearing some of the uh, Metropolitan Opera broadcasts on Saturdays. Remember when Texaco used to sponsor those? Sure. And some of the opera stars had wonderful senses of humor. You don't expect it from an no. opera star or a classical musician. And I know that on the tour, the recent uh, Presby Bop Jazz tour, sometimes the stories are just feed off one another. The stories about certain instruments or certain players uh, of instruments. Well, there are lots of stories and jokes about people who play the accordion. What's the definition of a gentleman? Someone who knows how to play the accordion but chooses not to? <laughs> um, the other thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about uh, humor and music Joe Stafford was not exactly a jazz singer, and Paul Weston were married to one another. He was an orchestra leader, I guess, and arranger, composer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have got one album by them. They call themselves Jonathan and Darlene Edwards, and they murder one standard after another. And, you know, Bill, we could get away with probably playing a little piece of one of those. Uh, this is an educational program. I think fair use might cover yeah. them. So he plays a run and it kind of runs out of gas. 
yeah. or, or she she can't decide if she's singing sharp or flat on right, every right. single note. It's it's just it's just crazy, it's, and it's not easy to do, right? No, no you have to be a, a, a musical genius to do this, right? Yeah, it's extraordinary. When they recorded it, though, the guys in the studio must have hit, hit a ball. That was just great. Yeah. Really, the first time I noticed uh, how much good humor is in jazz was a concert I went to as a teenager to see Dizzy Gillespie. Mm -hmm. And he came out with a turban on his head and started kind of doing a hula dance, you know. And this is one of the foremost inventors of bebop uh, with Charlie Parker from the 1940s. And he's out there like the Swami, he's swaying. And uh, they, they start this little uh, rhythm, and then he starts kind of chanting over it. And then the piano player hits a, a chord, sweet chord, and another chord. Dizzy sings, swing low, sweet Cadillac, coming to a carry me home. <laughs> I looked over the river, what did I see? An El Dorado coming after me. Uh, and it was just the rundown. And they, they played that, and they played a couple other things. And they said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take a moment to introduce the band. Yeah. Tom, this is Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, this is Steve over here on drums. That's right. And around they went. And it was just, he was hysterical. He understood that you could have the highest musical values and still have some fun with the audience. And I would think that the fun rescues the, the most mundane or routine of performances. I mean, I realize you have great fun when you perform. But to involve the audience in that and make it something where everybody's kind of laid back and not too worried about the way the record sounded, you know, whatever. That's uh, right. And I think just watching some musicians every once in a while, and we were talking about this with uh, with Matt Wilson, that every once in a while you see a musician look over and smile at another musician who's just done something either very good or not so good. Right. Um, there's a There's a camaraderie there that's... It's a, a touch of joy in the music, certainly. Well, and when I encourage people who are starting listening to jazz, I, I say it's good to hear it, but you need to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And you see it, you need to see it being cooked up on stage. Yeah. And there's something about that that is uh, that lifts the spirits and reminds us that music, at its heart, is a form of entertainment. Yeah. So the very first interview I ever did for the radio, and not just the first jazz interview, but the first interview, was with the jazz pianist George Shearing. His quintet, which included Gary Burton on Vibes at the time, was playing in, in college. I was invited to knock on the door of one of the practice rooms in the Conservatory of Music at Westminster College and open the door, and there is George Shearing, pantless. <laughs> he was a blind man and had a dresser who helped him get dressed. So first, I, I was very embarrassed for him because I, I felt like I'd walked in on it. He said, oh, no, come on in. Let's do this. Uh, we don't have very much time. First time I'd ever seen garters pulling up a man's socks. Oh, man. But he had a wonderful sense of humor. I asked one of these stupid questions like, where do you go next, you know, on your tour? And he said, well, we're going to Detroit. Detroit, Detroit. He called it Detroit. Then he caught himself and said, oh, he said, I, I meant Detroit. He said, that sounded kind of fishy, didn't it? <laughs> as he went on, a wonderful sense of humor. This is before the show, so he was loose as a goose. And, of course, I'm just in awe of, of the whole situation. Mm -hmm. I still have that uh, on a cassette somewhere up in the attic rotting away. 
again, I, I read his book, his uh, autobiography, and it is full of just wonderful humor, as well as, of course, some of the right. serious stories of being on the road and some of the greats he played with. Well, this might be a point to direct our listeners to find a book called Jazz Anecdotes by the bassist Bill Crow, uh, which is one story after another, and uh, a lot of them are just hysterical. Like uh, Jimmy Nepper, the trombonist, pulls up to a toll booth, and uh, he's, he's the, the toll is something like uh, $2.67, and he hands over $3.42. <laughs> and the toll booth operator looks at it and says, what's this? And Jimmy says, an intelligence test. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just this laughter. It's, um, right. it's, it's extraordinary. It lifts our spirits. You know, there have been people who accused Louis Armstrong, for instance, of being too much of a comedian and not serious. His name occurred to me earlier when we were talking about humor. Yeah. yeah. What a joy in life. Yeah. But like the uh, the writer Anne Lamott says, uh, laughter is carbonated holiness. Uh, love that. Yes. Yeah, carbonated holiness. It just bubbles up and explodes. Yeah, right. Um, well, and sometimes the situations on the road cause the uh, uh, the, the comedy. In fact, uh, I found I went through my, my archives, and when we were traveling around with the band one time, I just had the microphone. I held it to a couple of people, and I said, tell me about the story. And so here's one by Tony Marino. This is another Presby Bop story uh, as we travel around the van somewhere in the wilds of the Northeast. Uh, Tony Marino, your question today, scariest road food ever on a Presby Bop gig? Well, I was in a church somewhere in Pennsylvania, and I remember playing in the church and then being immediately hustled out because there was a coffin rolled right in right behind us. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even put the cover on my base bag or on my base yet, and there was immediately a coffin there, and they kind of hustled us off downstairs where the old old women prepared a fine plate of uh, chopped ham probably pickled relish, mayonnaise, all like stirred up together and and uh, spooned on top of a a white hamburger roll that you would buy at the supermarket. We, you know, you get eight of them in a little package. And then uh, they would, they had a big bowl of coleslaw which was spooned on top of the ham gluksh. And then they put the bun on top of it on a paper plate and handed to you. I ate some of it. And, uh, yeah, you I could, survived. You could end it up in that coffin. That's right. I could have. That's right. <laughs> now, I have a question. Were there cookies? Cookies? Because every there had gig to be. there has had cookies. To I don't remember the cookies, but there had to have been. Oh, there was probably some kind of jello mold. Yeah. <laughs> with the less of the ham they didn't know what to do with on Sunday. They threw it in, in the jello mold. In the jello mold, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cookie thing is good because everywhere we go, there's cookies. There's, plenty there's of some cookies. store-bought cookies, then there's the homemade cookies. Yeah. And always, of course, the oh, homemade the cookies homemade. are better. Oh, but which do you prefer? Oh, the homemade cookies, of homemade course. Homemade of cookies. Yeah, there's, they're, you know, like the ham thing was like a mystery meat kind of a thing. That was right? very strange. But with the cookies, there's no mystery cookies because it's a cookie. That's right. How yeah. could it be anything else but a cookie? Well, my memory of the ham gluck was that I went up, I couldn't eat it, couldn't touch it, went up and got some coleslaw, and the lady says, no, that's for the top of your sandwich. So 
Uh, let this not be supposed to eat that. Not supposed to eat that. That's for the sandwich. Yeah. Uh, road life. Yeah, and that was Tony Marino, the bass player for the Presby Bob Quartet Quintet, uh, and the other guy who wants to know about the cookies. Uh, that would be Ron Vincent, <laughs> okay. the aforementioned Ron Vincent. Yeah. It, it kind of raises the the question, I think, the larger question about the purpose of music to express the fullness of human life, the the sorrows and the sadness and the blues, but also the joy and the ecstasy and and let's just say it, the laughter. Yeah. Um, it's a rescue from, uh, again, the routine. When you go after a hard day or hard week, you go to a club on a Friday night or Saturday night, and uh, there's a release there. Mm-hmm. You're going out for fun, but as we know, you know, the jazz has its cerebral side, but mm-hmm. it also has that spontaneous uh, improvisational uh, surprise That's at, right. at a concert. And sometimes a musician will quote another melody. Uh, Something will happen and the musician will quote another melody and and people hear it and kind of loosens the crowd. I'm thinking of one when Dave Brubeck was playing at a jazz festival years and years ago. It was right by an air base. Let's listen to this little bit. We play that, of course, Jeff, for educational purposes. Oh, yes. 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 We want people to, to learn about the uh, the true humor at the heart of good jazz. Right. <laughs> and certainly the Brubeck stories about the Pope. Remember? the? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell that story about the blessing of... Well, I think it might have been in the previous episode, but it's worth telling again. Uh, Brubeck put together this major piece for the first papal mass in San Francisco got there and somebody wanted to yank out the improvisation section so dave sat with his conductor on the piano bench while the papal mass went on and at one point the pope came over pope john paul ii and came over and did kind of a cross-shaped blessing upon dave and the band and dave said did he just bless us and uh Russell, his conductor, said either that or he's trying to conduct your piece in four four. <laughs> and and they laughed so hard they fell off the bench. You know, it, it was just it was just like this moment. Right. Right. Supposedly reverent moment, but at the heart, deeply human moment. Yeah. Why don't we listen to a little bit of uh, a tune I called Rumple Stiltskin? Which gives a, a, a smile just to hear the title. Yeah, I mean, the the title has no deep significance. It's just a tune. <laughs> and it's also a way for a quartet to uh, to play off one another and have some fun.
That was Rumpelstiltskin by the um, Crespi Bob Quartet on the Interior Window album. And, you know, when I composed that, I also composed a series of uh, brief little free verse poems. This was titled after a question that Paul Desmond in, from Rubeck's Quartet said he, he got the question a lot on the uh, on a plane. A stewardess would come by, flight attendant, and ask, how many musicians are in your quartet? <laughs> so here's the poem every quartet needs a comedian we have five one dances naked by firelight we expect his heavy feet to lift from the soil the second wisecracker gives the monologue that starts the laughter the third collects a sack of bland straw and spins the whole lot into threads of gold. A fourth smirks on his bench, convening the tornado that swirls around him. Who is the fifth joker serving up mirth? The one who gives all things birth. Mm. Yeah. Could it be, contrary to many of our experiences of mere religion, that God is a God of good humor, that there is joy and laughter in the center of the universe. Yeah. Where did we get our sense of humor? If yeah. we are created in the image of God, then certainly that, um, pardon the expression, funny bone is there. Yeah. One other thing occurs to me is that the, you mentioned uh, you can be in the middle of uh, playing autumn leaves and suddenly uh, a phrase from... Uh, I don't know, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow creeps in. <laughs> and, you know, and the audience gets it, or most people do, you know. And then there's this kind of, you look around and, did I just hear that? Right. But there's and, another kind of subtle humor, too, and I think that's in the lyrics. I'm thinking of Michael Franks, who writes wonderful lyrics, poetic storytelling. Um, but I smile when I hear some of his his allusions of, just to great art, to literature, to music. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I can't quote it now. I, I, I didn't plan very far ahead to bring an album in to read a lyric. But if, if our listeners go online and look for Michael Franks and find some of his lyrics, uh, I think you'll smile when you, when you read some of it. I heard Diana Krall sing one of his tunes one time. It was actually up at Al Ham's house, and he had this on. And I laughed out loud and discovered it was a Michael Franks tune yeah. called Popsicle Toes. It's about <laughs> yes. crawling into bed with somebody whose feet are really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that, huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. As as we begin to wind up this season, we're, we're grateful that all of you are listening to us and grateful for even those who have made a contribution for the furtherance of this. And uh, we assure you there are many, many more episodes to, to go, but, you know, we're going to need a little break. Um, fortunately, though, we have one more episode uh, to share before we take uh, this break. Jeff, do you remember which one that is? This would be the Grammy-nominated sax player, Donnie McCaslin. That's right. Who tells us a bit about his music and and yeah. how the fullness of his life has been expressed in music? Uh, you know, we also coaxed him to tell some stories about what it was like to play music with David Bowie yeah. on Bowie's final album. That's going to be our closing episode for this season. That's right, and we're grateful. This is a big journey, fun journey, and uh, a grand experiment for the two of us. We're grateful that you're taking the journey with us. 
tell other people about it. Send us a note at podcast at presbybop.com. Yeah, that's very helpful for us to know what the listeners are thinking and how you've perhaps appreciated what we've done, but um, also to let us know what you'd like us to discuss or talk about or share in uh, the next season. That's right. During our hiatus, uh, we're going to be cooking up a whole list of future episodes, uh, future musicians and friends to talk with. So we're we're grateful that you are one of them. On hiatus, I think I'm going to take some accordion lessons. I, I think you should. Uh, be careful where you throw it. <laughs> hey, Jeff, you know why people walk when they play bagpipes? <laughs> no, I don't. To get away from the sound. <laughs> Yeah, right. Hey, laughter is the episode for today, and uh, we're glad that you've tuned in. Thanks for listening to the Spirit of Jazz podcast. This is a production of Presby Bop Music. To find out more about Presby Bop, our music, concerts, and recordings, please explore our website at www.presbybop.com. And send us a note telling us what you think about the Spirit of Jazz. We'd love to hear from you. Check in with us again next time. I'm Jeff Kellum. And I'm Bill Carter. Thanks for tuning in.